0: I do, I mean, considering this, the, the choice of song today, um, a number of things dealing with revival, I want to talk to you about that tonight. Uh, something that's been, as I said a moment ago, laying heavy on, on my heart. Um, we need revival today. Um, we need revival. Uh, you, you look at, you watch the news, look at the newspaper, uh, scan across your phone, Maybe get uh, a small news feed of some kind or maybe social media, whatever. Uh, you understand today uh, where we're at. You understand where we're at as a, as a nation. Uh, this world in which we live is a terrible, wicked place, and we need revival. And um, I want to read just... I want to start off by reading just a couple of verses about that um, In Psalm 80, verse 19, I'm going to move quickly through here, um, because I've got these down on paper, the main portion of my, if you could turn to Isaiah in chapter 6, that's where we're going to preach from this evening, but Psalm 80, verse 19 says, turn us again, O Lord, God of hosts, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Psalm 85, verse 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Second Chronicles 714, a familiar verse. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We have to understand, we have to realize today that we serve the same God that part of the Red Seas. We serve the same God, the same God we read about that gave His only begotten Son to die on a cross to save us from our sins. We serve that God, that God that saved and took care of the nation of Israel as they wandered about through the wilderness for 40 years and as they they obeyed, as they disobeyed. We serve that same God a God that can make a difference in this church, a God that can make a difference in our country, a God that can make a difference in your marriage, a God that can make a difference in your life. Ma'am, your life, sir. We serve a powerful God. We serve this God that is capable of providing, capable of giving revival. But do we want it? Do we want it? Let's go to, like I said a moment ago, let's go to Isaiah. I'm going to read through a couple, of mo- couple more of those verses. I want to stick to that. Like I was talking to Sarah last night. I don't want to get off course here. Um, this is very simple, very basic. I don't want to get too complicated. I don't want to ge- be jumping here and jumping there. This is simple. This is basic. But too often we don't do that. We want to complicate things. We want to make it harder than it really is. We're going to read through uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And all the way through verse 8. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Before I get into my message, I do want to make one specific point. I want to draw one piece of evidence from this portion of Scripture, and it's at the very end of verse 8 in a very familiar portion of Scripture where you see, here am I, send me. It is not It is not here we are, Lord, as in we, us, individually, individually, this man is ready. Here I am, send me. Before we experience revival as a nation, before we experience revival as a congregation, Community Baptist Temple, before your family experiences revival today, you, sir, you, ma'am, you must experience revival. Yes, amen. Before, before us, before we, you, I, We have to get this thing. We have to understand the importance. I have to understand the importance of me getting right with God. Not that person over there, not this person over here, not this lady over here, not this man over here, me. And you must ask yourself the same question Am I? Am I ready for revival? America needs revival. And we, we, we're all in on that. We all agree. But until you, ma'am, until you, sir, get that, until I get that, it's not going to happen. It will not happen. Revival tonight. There's just a few specific, a three-point outline, very simple, very basic, that I want to present to you tonight. It's so simple, so basic, that I have it handwritten right here, handwritten. Number one, number one, excavate. Excavate, that's our first point. What do you mean by excavate? What are you talking about? What are you getting at? Let's take a look. Let's take a look at verse number three. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory emphasizing these three words back to back to back, holy, holy, holy. Before before we get things right as a, as a church family, before we get things right as a nation, America, individually, me, we must get with God. And so automatically we assume, all right, I, what do I need to get rid of? What do I need to expose? What do I need to forsake in my life that is keeping me from God? And immediately we start to evaluate ourselves. What do I need to do to experience revival? However, there is one step that must take place before that happens. That is very, very important. We must, and that's our second point, evaluate ourselves. Yes, but before we get there, we must discover, we must uncover, we must find out what this thing is all about. We must get to a place where we mean this. Holy, holy, holy. God is a holy, righteous, sovereign God, perfect. And I'm so thankful for the message that was preached Sunday night. If you were here, you heard that about how we serve a God who is perfect without sin. Do we realize this? You see, before we get to ourselves, before we start to look inward, it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves. We must understand, truly grasp who and what God is. Because until we can understand, until we can just try to understand what God truly is, who and what He is, we will never see ourselves for who and what we are. God, a perfect, righteous, and holy, and sovereign God, Getting to a point right here. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. How sacred is your God in your eyes? Not as a congregation. Not as a nation. We can answer that. As as a nation, America, do we view God as a holy, righteous, and sovereign God as a nation? No, we do not. No. As a church... I'm not going to stand here and point fingers, but you know where you're at today. I know where I'm at today. If I want to experience revival in my personal life, if I want to get to a point in a place in my life where I know God for who and what He is, that is up to me and me alone. I'm talking about personal revival tonight. A spiritual awakening to an almighty and powerful God. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I'm telling you, you say, how do you really get to a point in your life where you you understand who and what God is? How do we ever get there? I I don't think we'll ever truly be able to grasp or truly be able to know until we get to heaven. But I will say, if you dig into this book right here, and it's something that down deep you desire to search out, you desire to find, God's going to help you. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, this is not a fear. We talked about this in our Sunday school class just a couple of weeks ago. This fear, I can tell you right now, there was a point in time in my life, at some point, I was a very good young boy. I was very, very, very good. But there was a point in time, at some point, I was afraid of my father because of, obviously, something that I had done. For fear of that rod, if some of you here took that, that class just a few weeks ago, train up a child, hey, that was me. And that rod that he gives out, that he demonstrates or that he shows, that is something that was demonstrated on me on a regular basis. And when I messed up, when I made a mistake, when I fought with my brother or sisters, when I told a lie, I knew that there was going to be punishment coming. I knew it. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to wonder, is he going to get me the? No. If there was a time where I was disobeying throughout the day... And my mom finally said, she's had enough. Normally, she would deal with it. She would. She'd take care of it. And I didn't want a spanking from mom either. That never felt good. But just a little bit worse, she would say, wait till dad gets home. And for a few short hours, there was fear. There was fear in a little boy. Fear of what was going to have to take place. Fear of something that I knew was going to happen. However... That is not the fear that we're talking about right here. While that is true, even in the case of us as Christians to an almighty God, our heavenly Father, that's not what we're talking about here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We're talking about a reverential awe where we have come to the conclusion, we have realized, we have finally grasped this truth That God is amazing, that He is wonderful and all-powerful, and that everything that we say and do, He can be a blessing to us. He can, at times, yes, punish us, but when we go to that door, and when we talk to that person at the grocery store, He is there for us. And He is the one that's going to make a difference in lives. He is the one that's going to do something in your life tonight. He's the one that is going to tell you, just just take a seat at that altar. I need you to get rid of something. He's the one that's going to do that. And until we understand God for who and what He is, it's so much harder to bend that knee. Excavate, dig, delve, uncover, Know your God. Know your God. You want revival tonight? You want revival? I've, I've had enough. I've had enough with the sin. This bondage of sin. I, I've been bound for too long and I want, I want freedom tonight. That is you. That's you tonight. It can be yours in and through God. But that's a decision you are going to have to make. You, I want revival tonight. then you have reached a place, you you must reach a place where you know God for who and what he is. Excavate, number two, evaluate. We cannot evaluate our personal lives until we see God for who and what he is. We cannot do it. Because we are so sinful, so wicked, so prideful. You hear it. You hear it. If you go door knocking, I'm a pretty good person. We're talking about people that don't go to church. We're talking about people that use very bad language. We're talking about people that watch things on TV they should not watch. I'm a good person. I helped my friend out the other day. We're prideful. We think ourselves to be better than we truly are. And until we can view, get a glimpse of who and what God is and His sovereignty, His almighty power, then we will always feel ourselves to be pretty good. Evaluate ourselves. You see, I like to bring it in this light. Uh, Think about it this way. You take a, a, a picture, a family picture. You've got a gathering this weekend. Hey, we've got the church picnic this weekend. Perfect. And we take a group picture on Saturday. Sunday, we show that picture on the screen, and we go, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. That's really nice. That's very sweet. We show that picture on the screen 20 years from now, and we say, what was I wearing? What was up with the hair? The eyes, the glasses, the glasses. It's all out of style. It all looks weird. You've seen that, right? Looking through the family album. What was I thinking? You see, in the moment, at that appointed time, it was completely normal, completely fine. T- Snapping a selfie. Oh, that's nice. Look at that ten years from now. What? Why? 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 You see, when we... When we're up to date now, and we look back 20 years from now, all of a sudden, that picture, our clothing, our hairstyle, the glasses, it's no longer in style. It looks It's, it's almost laughable. It looks weird, out of place. In comparison, and that's the, that's the point I want to bring to you today. Everything is in comparison. See, that's what we do with ourselves. I compare myself to you. You compare yourself to the person sitting next to you. And when you do that, when I do that, I can feel okay with myself. Yeah, I'm not too bad. But when I compare myself to a holy, righteous, and sovereign God, that should send me to my knees. We think we're going to get to heaven and be proud and just excited about what we did here on earth. Most of us, we do. We know better than that. We know that we fall short and what we could do here on earth. But that feeling of understanding that we will fall short, sadly enough, is not strong enough in our personal lives to, to, to push us to do something about it. So that when we do get to heaven on that day, that judgment day, we will not be able to look our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the eyes... Because of our feelings and understanding of the lack of the things that we could have done. The words we should have said. The places we should have gone. The tracks we should have passed out. The soul winning I should have attended. Why do we have to wait until we stand before a holy righteous God to understand to understand and truly grasp how important these things are it's been something and i i didn't work this up and i can i mean this with all sincerity i didn't work this up for a message i didn't all right i'm feeling revival tonight i'm 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 going to preach i get an opportunity to stand before you i'm feeling revival that's a good topic that's a good thought the lord's been working on my heart and, and God's been doing some good things in my life. And I can be proud of that. I can be thankful for that. I don't have to keep that to myself. God is so good. And I know, I know that I am a wicked sinner. <laughs> I fail Him over and over and over again. Yet He loves me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I am a wicked sinner. And you know what? God's doing a work in my life right now. I'm just excited about the opportunity that I have. You understand just as well as, as, well as I do that this race in which we run can become difficult. It's hard sometimes. It's not a bed of roses. Everything doesn't just fall right into place. But we serve a holy, righteous, and sovereign God who is in control of all. And we must, we must, if we want revival, we must grasp this truth. Excavate, uncover, discover your God. Your God. Evaluate. Evaluate yourself before a holy, righteous God. And then finally, now here we go, eliminate. Eliminate. Let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. You see, we saw in verse number 3, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Verse number 5. Evaluate. Our last point. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me, for I am undone. We've evaluated ourselves now. I'm not evaluating myself next to you or anyone else. I'm evaluating myself before a holy, righteous God. And now, this draws me to this point. Now it's time to eliminate some things. And I can tell you right here, I can tell you right now, if you want to experience revival, maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, you know what, I really do, I want to change. I've been just going through the motions and I don't want to do this anymore. I promise you, you're not going to be able to do it for much longer. We can only go through the motions so long. We can only be fake so long. It will not stand the test of time. We can't do this thing. We can't run this race by ourselves. We need this holy, righteous God that we serve. We have to have Him by our side. So, there are so many things in our lives that take the place of this holy, righteous God. He's trying to get in. He's trying to make his way into your life, into my life, into your home, into my home. But there's so many distractions, so many things keeping him from getting in. I want revival. I want revival in my my life. I want revival in my home. I want revival in my church. I want revival in my country. But don't ask me to give up my TV. (laughs) Don't ask me to give up my, my cell phone. Don't ask me to give up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me to give up that friend. Don't ask me to give up that job. We've reached the last and final step. It's time to eliminate. Do you want revival tonight? Do you want God to do something wonderful, miraculous in this city, Akron? Do you? I'm not so sure. And I'm talking to myself here. Am I willing to do what it takes now? Am I willing to do what it takes? To understand who and what God is. To realize who and what I am. And now to do something about it. Eliminate. You see, for me this is easy to understand in this light. I I enjoy, and you know, know, I've talked about it before. I enjoy to go to the gym. I, I enjoy to exercise. But it's like this. You have a whole routine, a whole schedule planned out of how you're going to exercise, and how you're going to uh, see some good physical results. You, whether you're running, you're lifting weights, you're you're stretching, whatever it whatever it takes, you're gonna you're gonna do what it takes. You hit the gym. You're consistent. You go Monday, Tuesday. You skip on Wednesday. Got to have an off day, and then you go Thursday and Friday. You you. You are consistent, week in, week out, doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Hitting the gym. You're doing some cardio. You don't want to miss out on the cardio. That's very, very important. You're hitting the weights. That's good, too. You're exercising. You're faithful. You're committed. But this is the second part to your routine. You go to the gym and you work out. You can't get there in the morning, so you go in the evenings. You exercise. You exercise. You hit it hard. You're sweating. You get a good pump. You're worn out. You're tired. So you got to refuel. So you pull right into the McDonald's drive thru and grab a Big Mac. <laughs> That's my evening routine. I hit the gym. I run. I stretch. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm doing what it takes. I'm putting in the work. McDonald's drive thru, Big Mac. Don't you think you're wasting your time? Am I not wasting my time here? Yes. Yes, I am. If I truly want to see those results, those physical results that I'm searching for, that I desire in my personal life, I'm sorry, but there's something that I'm going to have to give up. I'm going to have to eliminate the McDonald's drive-thru, that Big Mac and that Big Mac sauce that is so good. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I even go soul winning. I can't say no to that cell phone. I was just searching YouTube to look for a good song and then that popped up and I couldn't help but look. There's some things we're going to have to eliminate if we want revival in your life, in your home, in this church. America today needs revival. America needs a church that's going to stand on the word of God. But we're going to have to be willing to get rid of some things. Are we we willing to make those choices tonight? What is it in your life? Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's two things. Maybe it's five things. What do you have to eliminate to allow God to work and move in your life? And are you willing to do it? Are you satisfied? Satisfied with where you're at today? Are you satisfied with your spiritual walk? Because I know that I'm not. That sounds so, so cliche. And I'm supposed to say that, right? Because I'm up here preaching. I'm not satisfied with my relationship with God. If we want God to do something great, we're going to have to give up some sleep. If we want God to do something great, we're going to have to give up our TV. If we want God to do something great, we're going to have to give up that activity that comes, in, comes before soul winning. If we want God to do something great, we're going to have to give up that friendship that is pulling us from church, pulling your children, that activity that is keeping your children from God's house. You're going to have to eliminate something if you want God to work and move in your life. Right, amen. It's a decision that you and only you can make. In conclusion, we see that we must discover, uncover a holy, righteous, and sovereign God. And in doing so, now we can, and until we uncover that truth, until we get to that point, we cannot truly evaluate our lives for who and what we are until we know God in all His glory. Now we have evaluated our lives. We understand the wickedness that lies within the sinners that we are. Now it's time to eliminate. What is it in your life that you have to eliminate? You know you've got to eliminate this thing because God's been working on you. God's been, he's been pushing you And you've been inching your way forward, but not willing to commit, not willing to make that decision that's going to change your family for the better, that's going to change your marriage. There may be a marriage tonight that is on the brink, on on the edge of failure. And the only way that it survives is if you get rid of something and replace that thing with God, with a holy, righteous God forsake the world and all of its garbage and find a holy righteous and sovereign God this is what we've got to do I want you to do this tonight I want you to do this by yourself I want you to this is you this is me and this is what this is what has to happen If if Community Baptist Temple is going to experience revival, this is what's going to happen. If Community Baptist Temple is going to experience revival tonight, this is what has to happen. You get alone. You go to your bedroom. You slam the door. You, You close yourself inside. You draw a circle just big enough to fit you in it. Just, no, not, no, me and my wife or what? no, you draw a circle just big enough for you to fit in it. Me, and my wife, and my kids, we, as a family, we're going to come together, we're going to get in the, you draw a circle just big enough for you to fit in it. And you ask, you beg God to cleanse, to make clean that dirty, Wretched vessel that sits within the confines of that tiny little circle. You get on your hands and knees and you beg God for forgiveness. Not the forgiveness of an entire church congregation, not the forgiveness of an entire family. You, sir, you, ma'am, me, individually, just me before God, a holy, righteous, and sovereign God. Only then, only then will you experience a true revival, an awakening, a spiritual awakening to a perfect God that can make the difference in your marriage, that can make the difference in your home, that can make the difference in this church, that can make the difference in America today. We need God. And until we understand, until we grasp, until we can figure out, uncover, until we can know God for who and what He is, we will just continue to go through the motions. We'll just continue to be little robots doing what we're supposed to do. You know why dressing right? You know why acting right? You know why saying the right things and doing the right things and going to the right places is such a burden? Because we don't know God for who and what He is. I'm talking about a reverential awe of His presence and His power. You see, all of a sudden, it's not so crazy some of the standards that a pastor sets before us. It's not so crazy to live for God in a wicked society, in a wicked world. It becomes just a little easier because He's there right beside us. We're not fighting this battle all alone. Those standards and those convictions that you may live by but struggle with, they must become a byproduct of that relationship that will only come in and through God. It will always and forever be a burden. The spiritual life, we can play Christian all day long. We can dress right all day long, but it will always be a burden until it becomes a byproduct of a reverential awe of a righteous, holy, and sovereign God. Do you know God tonight? Do you know God for who and what He is? Because if you don't, if you don't know God tonight, you must come and beg God to make Himself real in your life. Because until you know God, you don't know what you need to get right on this altar. You don't know what you need to fix. There's some big areas, sure, that we understand through the Word of God our sin and wrong. But we will not know how to judge our lives individually until we see ourselves in that perfect light, a holy, righteous, and sovereign God. Excavate. Uncover. Know God. Evaluate. And now it's time to eliminate. What are you holding? What are you holding back from God? I just can't give up my favorite TV show. It's costing you your marriage. What? Really? I just can't give up. No TV? What would I do with all my time? Exactly. No cell phone use at home? What would I do with all my time? Exactly. God gets shoved into his little corner, little cubbyhole, We come and uncover him for for Wednesday nights. We grab him and get him for Sundays. We throw him on our shoulder and we walk the walk. We talk the talk. But we don't know him. I want revival tonight. Personally, and I can say this with confidence. I'm not saying this in a prideful way at all. I want for you what I have. I want you... To know God better than I know God. Because this is a a learning experience. We're we're, we're learning God. And like I said, until we get to heaven and we truly see what this thing's all about. We'll never truly know. But we can get a good head start right here. We can get a good head start right here. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. You can know God tonight. You can know God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.